please get your Bibles ready to James chapter 4. Today we are in verses 7 through 10. James 4, 7 through 10. Have you ever been at the end of a, of a diving board and had second thoughts? Okay? Especially if you remember maybe your very first time. Um, and I was in high school on the swim team my freshman year. Well, we had regular diving board for the diving competition stuff. But then we had the, the tall one, uh, the platform. And I remember trying one time to get up there. And I didn't even make it out onto the board. Like, I made it to the top of the ladder and said, forget it. I came back down. So there, there's hesitation before you totally jump in. Uh, one of my boys at swim lessons, you know, they work with the, new, the pool noodles. They're learning their kicks and their strokes and everything. Well, it was time for the diving board uh, jump. And to give them a little confidence, they were to hold the the pool noodle around themselves to jump in so they weren't going to go too far under. One of them, and it happened to be Cameron, gets to the end of the, the diving board, throws the noodle off to the side and just jumps in. Um, so he had great confidence. And my story that I distinctly remember, and I shared with this either last week or the week before about my neighborhood crew growing up, we lived on a hill uh, we we made jumps at the bottom of the hill, of course. You, get, you had to get good speed to jump your bike. Uh, and this wasn't all the fancy full suspension stuff. This was your good old Schwinn uh, Stingray with the banana seat, everything. And we're jumping these things. Well, we made the jump a little bit higher. And, of course, I chose to go first like a ding-dong. And I didn't just start at the top of the hill. My house was on the corner of the top of the hill. So you could go from the side of the house at a decent speed, then hit the hill to make the jump, right? Because I needed full momentum to carry myself over the jump to get good air and distance to for bragging rights. I come around the corner, down the hill. I am lined up, and someone subconsciously was yelling, stop, stop, stop. Now, if you're listening to your friends, you trust them. And so I went to break because, you know, you're, you're, you're stepping backwards to break. I was already at the top of the jump. And so I don't know all the physics. I don't know all the science behind momentum and a, a, a stopped rear wheel. But it didn't go over very well. As, as, as I'm in the air braking hard, as soon as I landed, it was like the t- little tire marks on the sidewalk. It was like trip, 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 trip from my, my rear wheel locked up. Well, then I fell. Uh, totally tore up my knee. Mom wasn't happy. But I hesitated. Last minute, you know, I heard this voice of someone trying to warn me probably that the jump wasn't safe. But I, I threw those brakes on a little too late. Um, but I want us to dig in today and look at what James says about submitting to God. And it's submitting to God without hesitation to go all in, in our relationship with God, in our faith. So today is true faith submits to God, all in without hesitation. And let's read James 4, 7 through 10. As we can, actually I'm going to back up to 6, get a little running start. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So going all in, submitting to God is this first piece. You know, we've talked about, talked about what our faith looks like, the, the conflict between the worldly influence and our relationship with God. You know, how are we to be a friend to the world and have a relationship with God? They don't mix because we need to be fully all in with God. And so James says, submit to God. And this is different than obedience. This isn't just obeying God. This is taking our life, our will, completely submitting it under the authority of God and in our relationship with him. The word means to put yourself in rank under someone. So giving God the authority, and we are a lower rank, obviously, in allowing our lives to be governed by God, submitting fully to God. And... It's more than a label. It's more than just, hey, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. No, it's it's this faith uh, journey. It is going all in and allowing our total lives to be in submission to who God is. And James in verse 6 says that God oppo- opposes the proud. Well, the opposite of being proud is being being in complete submission to God. Realizing that we are nothing, that we aren't going to make it on our own, that we have to have the authority of God in our life, in our salvation, in our faith, and in our complete commitment to him. So we talked about trying to be a friend of the world, having a relationship with God, and these don't mix. They can't mix. Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It's impossible to go after the things of the world, go after the things of our flesh, and submit to God. They don't go together. And this submission to God, it's not just our faith. It is every part of our life. It is every relationship. It is every situation. It is wherever we go, whoever we have and we come in contact with. It is every bit, and God is in all the little details also. God tells us that his ways are not our ways. His plans for us is so much greater than our plans that we could try to figure out ourselves. He has the smallest details planned. He even knows the number of hairs on our head. For some, it's easier, uh, but, but he knows every minute detail of our lives. And Psalm 139 16, and this is a familiar verse, says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written, every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So even from the beginning, not only were our days numbered, but each one of them. Like he has plans for each one of our days. Today you might think, you know what, it's Sunday, I'm coming to church, might do Bible study, and then I have nothing to do the rest of the day. Well, God knows what's going to happen today. Uh, to have a God that loves us so much that he is in every detail. And so submitting to God is being in complete surrender to our whole life. 
Um, our faith, our relationship, our salvation is in him. But is it, it is, that includes our whole experience on this earth uh, that we are submitting to God. It is including every area of our life. And if you imagine our life as a house, so imagine the house, the different floors, the different rooms, the different closets, the basement, every nook and cranny. If that is our life, do we, have we truly fully submitted and given God his will over our life? Every little bit. Or do we have some things that we've kind of tucked away, hoping that God doesn't open that closet, open that drawer? Or is there, there's some things that we have tried to hide from God in our relationship, not fully submitting to him. Or, or a special room that, you know, God, I've got this taken care of. You don't need to get involved. And I'll, I'll figure this part out. As long as I have, you know, the foundation and, and all of this is, is in your name. But, but I'll take care of this little piece. And I know all of us have certain, certain areas in our life that we haven't fully submitted to God and given over to him. And we are either all in or we're not in our relationship with God. And James is like, submit to God. Uh, give yourselves fully over to him. And when we do that, it makes it easier for us to resist the devil. Uh, Satan is all about wanting us to, or wanting to influence our life and wanting to cause us to get our eyes off of Jesus and, and not focus on God. And But when we submit fully to God, he, that allows us when we are tempted and when Satan tries to get in our business that we have the strength and the power to resist him. And it's pretty simple. James just says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. We just have to resist. That word in the Greek is the word that we get for antihistamine. I'm sure a lot of us are living on allergy medication right now uh, with all the pollen. But it means to stand against or to oppose. And like with allergy medication, the effects of histamines, our allergies, cause our bodies to react, blood vessels to to expand, uh, for our itchy eyes, all of our symptoms of allergies. And antihistamine helps block that. And so here's this picture of of blocking Satan, of stopping him and and thinking and saying. I'm not going to allow you to influence my life, to resist him, and he'll flee from us. Read with me Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, another familiar passage. But Ephesians 6, and actually I'll read 10, 11, and 12. And this is the armor of God. Um, it talks about the spiritual warfare that we are in against the devil. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Satan's at work. And his demons are all about wanting to get us distracted, wanting to show us that there's an easier way, uh, that there's a way that's going to make us happier, that there's a way that's going to to just be so much less stressful uh, than trying to, to submit our, our lives to God. That's a lot of work. 
And so we have these influences in our life. But James is warning we've got to resist the devil. We've got to resist those influences. And only as we make use of God's strength and his armor that he's given us, we will be able to conquer Satan. And we have to rely on God's strength. It's not up to us. If we tried to do it ourselves, we would not be victorious. It is only in the power and strength of Jesus in our life. So James says, first submit to God and then stop and pray in Jesus' name against Satan. In Jesus' name, the name that is above every name, the name that every knee will bow to, the name that every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That is the name that we get to use against Satan. And Jesus' own temptation in the wilderness reveals how submitting to God's will allows us to have Satan just give up and take off. Let me read to you Matthew 4, verses 10 and 11. And this is Jesus' uh, time in the desert. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God with him, and him only will you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Well, Pastor Randy, it's easy for Jesus to resist Satan. He's God. And But I say to you, I agree with that. But also, the scripture that Jesus used in his time in the wilderness to refute Satan is the same scripture that we have access. And better yet, we have Jesus. We have his name. We have his power in our relationship. So we have Jesus. We have the ability and strength in the name of Jesus to refuse and resist the devil. And so here's this picture of, of James is saying, just, just stop. We can stop him in the name of Jesus, and then he'll take off. One of my commentaries, and I'm just going to read this to you because this was a, a great picture. And it says this, Every denial is a great discouragement to Satan. He is like a dog that standeth looking and waving his tail to receive somewhat, somewhat from those who sit at the table. But if nothing to be thrown out, he goes his own way. How many of you have a dog that wants to get something at the dinner table? Mine sits there and she's, she doesn't come to the table, but she'll sit there and it's all over her face. Please give me something. And so here's this picture of when we don't give attention to the devil, when we stop him and we keep our eyes focused on God, he's gonna, he's gonna leave and be gone. Now this isn't downplaying the power and influence of Satan in our life. Uh, there, there's a strong presence there, but it is nothing in comparison to Almighty God and the power of Jesus' name. And so resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So then James goes on to say, draw near to God, uh, to, to understand that we have not only submitting to God, resisting the devil, but then draw near to God. Uh, be close in this relationship. And here's a picture that it might assume that we have to make that move to God, but that's not the case. It is God's move always first in our life. But when we drift away, then there's some distance that happens. And guess who moved? It wasn't God. Reminds me of an old couple who were in a truck one day and 
they were sitting there when they first bought the truck. Oh, they were so in love. And if we're talking the two door truck, bench seats. So the wife was snuggled up against the husband, you know, enjoying this, this time in the truck and they loved each other so much. And then the years went by and, and miles were put on the truck. And one day, all of a sudden, she's all the way on the other side of the bench seat up at her window. And she turns to her husband and says, what has happened to us? You know, we used to be all snuggled up and, and enjoy these rides together in the truck. And he looked at her and said, I'm not the one that moved. She's the one that moved. And so as we drift away from God, and sometimes we don't realize how far from God that we have gotten. We're not in prayer with him. We're not in our daily devotion. We're not pursuing him every moment of our life. But we've drifted from God, but God desperately wants us to be drawn back to him. Um, He's patiently waiting for us. And a beautiful picture of this is the prodigal son. Um, The son left. He wanted distance. He wanted to go off and do his own thing. And he got the money from dad and took off and, and realized life wasn't so great apart from, from what his father had for him. And verse, or Luke 15, 20 says this perfectly, but while he was still a long way off, a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So God is longing for us as far off as we might be to come back to him. And and James is saying, draw near back to God. Draw back into that relationship with God and submit to him. So submitting to God and drawing near to him takes repentance. And James kind of lists out some, some, some bullet points here of what it means for us to come back in repentance to God. And repent means to be sorrowful, to be regretful, It's also making a complete change, a complete 180 turn back to God. And so verses 8 and 9 kind of give these bullet points of some advice that James gives for us to to repent and to turn and be back into a right relationship with God. And the first is to cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In the Old Testament the priests needed to wash their hands, a physical washing of their hands before they were able to perform their ceremonial duties. Uh, And so here's this picture of understanding that there are things that we've got to remove from our hands. We remove from our, our, the outside of our lives uh, to, to be back into this perfect relationship with God. And, Imagine washing off any of our sins that are outward. And my question to all of us is, are there some things that we need to clean up, that we need to wash up um, on the exterior? Uh, things that we have done physically, things that we have said out loud, things that we have um, caused in our lives that we know were not what God's will is, but it was sin. Uh, and, and things that we've got to change on the exterior. And then James says to purify your hearts. And so not only this outward cleansing of washing our hands, but to purify our hearts. And what are some things that we need to do a heart check on? What are some things that are, that are on the inside that no one else can see that we have 
caused sin in our life, we have caused some anger and whatever emotions that aren't God's will for our life. Uh, And so James is like this picture of, of outward washing our hands, of purifying our hearts, of understanding that we've got to repent and we've got to, before coming back and, and being drawn to God, we've got to repent and give it some, some things, some things in our life that maybe we've been trying to hide. Psalm 24, 3 and 4 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. So we can't even come and approach God if we know that we have these sins that we have, we are not willing to give up. We are not willing to submit. We're not going to be as close to God in our relationship as we need to be. And then James goes on and says, well, why do we need to clean up? It's because of our sin. And are we taking our sin in our life seriously? Are we understanding that there are things in our life that, that are causing us separation from God, that are causing us to miss the mark, and that is sin. And sin is serious in our life that we, if we're not taken seriously, and we just think, oh, I'll just go to God, he'll forgive me, and then I go on. No, James uses the words wretched, mourn, and weep in our attitude to, if, if we are truly going to repent and say I'm sorry to God, we need to understand the gravity of our sin and the offense to God that it has caused. The words in general suggest a deeply repented state of mind, a sober moral earnestness in dealing with the reality of sin. Um, the, the word wretched and mourn and weep. To be wretched means that sin weighs heavily on us. We talked about grace last week and God's amazing grace. And what is the first line in the song? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When we compare God's amazing grace in our life to our sin, then we need to feel this wretchedness. We need to mourn. We need to weep. There needs to be sorrow in our life that we have offended God and his will for our life by our sin. And our sin compared to God's grace in our life, there's no comparison And we need to mourn, expressing grief and sorrow. We need to weep, an outward outward showing. And let me ask you this, and I was, this hit me hard, being, being very guilty of this. When is the last time that we've actually cried because of our sin? Has sin devastated us so much in our relationship with God that we have outwardly cried because of our sin, because of the situation that we're in? Whatever it might be in our life that we have not fully given to God, are we truly understanding this repentant heart of turning back to God and submitting all to him? Psalm 34, 18 promises this, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. This is where God wants us to understand sin, to understand what it is doing in our life and to come to him for repentance and come to him for forgiveness and grace and mercy. And then James says, let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. And if if we look at this worldly point of view versus our godly point of view, the world wants us to pursue happiness. 
wants us to be everything's hunky-dory, everything's great, uh, and, and laugh all the time and be happy. But when we are dealing with sin, we've got to understand that, that we need to mourn, that we need to weep, that we need to give that over. Is this going against what scripture says all throughout scripture about joy that we need to have? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. No, because that is in our relationship with God. That joy comes from God. Happiness comes from outside sources. And, and we can laugh and have a great time and, and feel happiness, but true joy comes from a repentant heart. And in fact, it only comes from true repentance because it is then that we experience God's forgiveness and mercy. And so James is like, take serious our sin, understand the wretchedness of our life. And when we do that and when we are forgiven and we have this experience with God that we feel that, that our faith is healthier, that we have given up things in our life and continue to seek after him, and to pursue him, then that joy comes. And this is not by any means saying that we need as Christians to walk around all mopey and sad and depressed. It's quite the opposite because the true joy comes from God in our relationship with him. And then James ends with this in this section, to humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And the key phrase before the Lord, when we come humbly before God in the presence of God, then there's nothing but humbleness. It would be a proud heart from the world that comes to say, oh, look at me. But when we understand where we are in our sin, our need and desperate need for our Savior and the forgiveness and grace that comes in our relationship with him, we come humbly before the Lord. And I'm with Isaiah and saying, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we are in the presence of Jesus, there's nothing but humbleness that needs to be in our heart if we are truly repentant and understanding where we are. But then God lifts us up in his love and grace provided by Christ Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, God lifts us up because he is all in with us. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is all in with us, which allows us to be all in without hesitation in our relationship with God. Let me read and close, and actually read, read this with me as we close this morning, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. And you're going to see very, very similar themes throughout this passage that we just went through. First Peter 5, 6 through 11 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Isn't that a great picture, knowing that we're all in this together? We're all in this struggle with our sin. We are all in this struggle in pursuing 
Christ Jesus with our whole heart, submitting to him, that we need to continue to be an encouragement to each other uh, with everyone around us. And then it says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What a great way to end this reminder of all that James has talked about, our faith, our pursuit of our faith, of understanding that our lives need to be changed because of what Christ Jesus has done in our life. And that is all throughout the book of James. But in this point of of understanding that it takes a continued submitting to God and we can come to him each day, each hour, each minute and give over these things in our heart, in our life that we haven't truly given over to God to allow his will to work in our life, to allow us to be drawn closer in a relationship with him and his strength and his might and just continue to love and say the name of Jesus over and over in our life to have him forgive us, to have him lift us up and as we humbly come before him. So as we close in prayer, let us continue in this pursuit uh, to give all our lives completely over to Jesus. Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us to remind us how much you love us, that truly that is where all of this starts, uh, that you love us and you have called us into a relationship with you. And Father, we are continuing to struggle. We are continuing to deal with sin, things that keep us separated from you. Father, I pray for strength uh, that we understand this love and this grace that you have for us and this strength over sin and death, uh, that the victory over sin and death, uh, that we can continue to come to you, to be drawn closer to you, to give our all and to be all in in our relationship with you, that you continue to mold us and to make us to look more like Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.